Welcome to In Between. Um, at the moment, I'm uh, strolling around in a Christmas market, and um, I am thinking about the fact that somehow in this week, uh, a lot of times it felt as if uh, India is coming to me. For example, a friend asked me if I want to go and see an exhibition with her, which is uh, about a topic about Indi connected to India, or I meet Indian friends, or people point out India-related stuff to me, which is happening. Or So somehow, even though I'm in Switzerland, Indian things keep coming to me. And, and uh, right now, I uh, just had some Indian food in the Christmas market which by now has somehow seems to have turned a little bit into a food festival also <laughs> and uh, but it's interesting so like of course the Indian food is good but it's very European in taste right it's not as spicy as as it would be there it's not it ha doesn't have the same taste in many ways it's like really adapted to Swiss taste probably even Which is also interesting because it reminds me of, uh, for example, Italian food in India, which was always so much adapted to Indian taste of food. It was a lot spicier, it had some masalas in there, which uh, <laughs> um, for me were not Italian at all. And even among uh, other exchange students, we used to call it like masala pasta, which for us was didn't taste Italian at all. And uh, yeah, this is funny how like food gets adapted. And uh, when talking about food, this week I learned something really interesting when I was at the dinner. And uh, the girl sitting next to me was Indian and uh, she already knows how much I love like these small little yeah, things which are different between India and Switzerland and how I find them interesting. And, and uh, then I wanted to serve her something. I took something from the table and I asked her, is it okay if I touch it with my hand? And she was like, yeah, of course. And then she, she said, you know, somehow for people in Europe, it's like um, it's contaminating if you touch something with your hand, like some food of another person with your hand. But interestingly, for us in India, we don't think this is polluting or contaminating. For us, it's like the concept, according to the concept of a uh, chuta, and I think I'm pronouncing it terrible, as my Indian friends love to point out, <laughs> Um The thing which is polluting in itself is uh, your saliva. So if you are eating in your, once you have started eating from your plate, it basically is, uh, yeah, it's kind of contaminated. So someone else cannot eat from it anymore. But this is a very strict brahmanical rule. And as you know, I've already portrayed how sharing of food is happening a lot among my friends in India. But this is like a more very brahmanical rule. But like the idea would be, which I think people also know, although a lot of people don't follow it, only in very traditional Brahmin households. But the idea would be that the polluting thing is your saliva and definitely not your hands. And that again somehow goes into the discussion we already had about uh, European people not uh, washing their hands enough <laughs> uh, by the standards of Indian people. And... Uh, while people in India would always like trust other people to have washed their hands properly. And that's actually a very, that observation was brilliant and so interesting for me because it's very true. For me in India, I was still, I don't have any problem like eating from someone else's plate or if, some, if someone else eats from my plate or whatever, I don't mind that. 
But the fact that someone else touches his my food with his hands, even though I know the hands of that person will be washed for sure, is still a bit more difficult or I cringe for a second because something inside of me is really European and really trained to believe that you shouldn't do that. Or for example, the funniest thing is like there are some Indian dishes, there is for example some kind of dal and I don't remember the name to be honest, so like some lentils and then they come with a bread kind of a thing and then the waiter would crush it in his hands, the bread thing and put it over your your dal and for me always that moment was like, oh my god, what is he doing? And like the fact that people really touch my food with their bare hands, it's still like sometimes yeah weird for me but this is so interesting on the other hand. Yeah, that there it's not considered polluting, but the saliva. Yeah, ingrained. There's, these are things with which you are raised or you have ingrained and you don't even notice until someone points it out to you. And uh, yeah, in that case, like this observation, wow, it, it, like this comment, it really cleared so many things in my mind, which I have seen or yeah, brilliant. I really loved it. And uh, when we're already talking about food, then of course again I'm obsessed with uh, finding it interesting where people are listening to my podcast and uh, some people told me that they are listening to it when they are cooking or uh, someone said when she is uh, taking a walk or going to the gym some people listen to it while working and for me it's always interesting uh, like the other day a friend texted me and she was like ah you know by the way I really like your podcast and I'm listening to your podcast and I was like I didn't have it on my radar at all that she is also listening to the podcast. Of course, I've sent it to her probably long back because in the beginning I've sent it to everybody and now I kept sending it to the people who responded. And it's interesting, yeah, like now I'm realizing, oh, some people are listening to it and I don't even know it. It's like this kind of, I don't know, somewhere in my mind there's already kind of an audience because I know who is kind of listening, whom I know. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, but then when I realized that actually, yeah, everybody could listen and that some people are listening to it, which I didn't even like, realize that they keep listening. It's a very interesting and strange feeling, but also really cool in the sense that in all these podcasts, books, I read about how you start building up your own community of listeners and all. And uh, that community feeling really starts to materialize in front of me. And I find this so interesting and I really like it. And uh, yeah, I keep wondering about it and uh, wanting to talk about it. Yeah. Then for this episode, something really cool uh, materialized out of nowhere. So as I said before, I have a couple of Indian friends in uh, Switzerland and uh, of course I keep having interesting discussions with them especially if it's people who have recently like started to live here and are like kind of adapting and coping with the culture very in similar ways which I used to adapt and cope when I was living in Delhi and uh, sometimes with these people I hit on very interesting topics which I would like to deepen later and uh for this episode, I asked one of my friends if she would like to talk about a few topics I heard her mention earlier and I liked and found interesting and she agreed. And so now I have the honor to uh, yeah, share her answers and share her, yeah, the small discussions which we had about these topics like with you guys. And I'm very excited about this. 
And uh, one of the topics which I heard her mention a couple of times and then felt like asking more about it is uh, the topic of security in Switzerland, which to her has very curious angles, which she doesn't know from her home, which are kind of different here. So, for example, for her, it's very peculiar that when uh, some of her friends like other other foreigners who are also just starting to live in Switzerland and starting to um, go to have to go to all the offices and all, when they received some nuclear pills, like uh, if you live close to an, how do you call it, an AKW, an atomic yeah, nuclear, like one of these nuclear things, <laughs> then uh, you get these pills in Switzerland. I also get them at home and she didn't get them, but her friends got them and that kind of irritated her. And also... Uh, the bunkers like that every house has a place where people would go in Switzerland in case of war or in case of whatever happens like there are bunkers with food stored in them and everything this seemed very strange to her and even more so that got me very very interested in the security aspect of Switzerland and uh, then I got to know that they have like bunkers and like quaint homes in the countryside that were the military is like full stop and all these things and I wondered what is Switzerland really scared of like Good question. because for me like I had a conversation back home about it and I was like because Switzerland was, was a neutral country and it never participated in the world wars what is it really really scared of like and uh, so so the days went by and then suddenly one day my flatmate told me, I was having a discussion with him, he's also from India, and he tells me that, oh yeah, bunkers are very, very common. Have you seen one in our house? And I was <laughs> like, really? We have one too. And I live in a student house, which has like 96 rooms. And I was like, wow, they've really taken care of their students too. And international students. For once, so, you didn't get forgotten. <laughs> exactly. And I was like, this is very interesting. So, And I found out this bunker is actually where you dry your clothes. And I had been drying my clothes for the past two, three months there. I never got to notice that it actually has like two big, massive iron doors or whatever they're made of. So, and I was like, ah, maybe I can close it and find out what this is. And I didn't close it, of course. It's, did you try? I did try. <laughs> you and I, I have never tried that. I did try and I was like, oh, it's been here since 1975 or 1979, whatever, since the building exists. And I was like, oh my God, like, this is another level of planning because... Because for Indians, this is not a concern. I mean, we also have the Pobokran or whatever nuclear thing and we also had those issues. But planning and thinking how to save the human population from a possible potential nuclear attack. <laughs> I mean, but then I realized and then I thought that for maybe for you, the present is not so precarious. Like... Just getting by your present mm-hmm. is not something that you really worry about. That's why you have issues that trouble you about the future. And for us, just, oh. I mean, not for me, let's say, but a certain class of Indians have to just see whether they can meet their requirements for the present. Hmm. So how do you expect them to plan for the future? And that's not a concern we have. Those are interesting things for me, but... 
Yeah, then we talked a lot about planning, which used to be such a big issue for me in India that people wouldn't plan enough ahead. While for her, it was like, how much into the future do people want to plan? Like, everyone has a calendar and even their free time is planned with a calendar. And while I was like, no one is planning and especially not the free time. And how am I supposed to plan if no one else is planning? So, I mean, I don't know if I should do it, but it's so much planning that it's boring that there's no excitement <laughs> that you are planning everything so where is the risk taking and where are where is the fun element then if everything is so prepared like everything streamlined prepared this is so funny because in my podcast all the time i keep complaining how oh, in india people never plan and i don't know how to handle this and, <laughs> and, I mean, let's, and it's let's say uh, yeah and this planning for the future also um is manifested in how everyone has a planner here mm-hmm. and uh, how you tell people a week before i will come to your house on the 10th Uh-huh. on the 4th you're telling the person I'll come to your house on the 10th for dinner at 7pm so the person has to have a planner then in India it does not work like this you can't tell a week before the to the person that uh, I will come you'll be like huh? are you free uh, should I come by and they just come by yeah I mean you do plan but those are like events then people tell you like those are like events happening at people's homes family mm-hmm. functions anything like that but if you're just catching up for a dinner or all no you will not plan to the extent that you will buy have to have a planner so for me it's very interesting how a planner i see everyone holding a planner here everyone a planner they have a planner and when you ask them so um, would you be free next week to uh, catch up they're like yes i will look at my planner and get back to you and i'm like really i have to check my dates i'm like so are you like the president <laughs> you need to check your dates <laughs> i'm like the worst example of this <laughs> it's not only you i i have come across so many people here who if i wanted to meet or anyone they are always like let me check my calendar and i'll get back to you and no one says this in india that i will check my calendar and get back to you no none of your friends will ever do this or no none of your relatives will say i will check my calendar that's it and they'll tell you maybe some hours before or a day before so that our concern is mostly that you don't get panicked about cooking mm-hmm. so they'll just tell you a day before or some hours before that uh, we're coming by and they'll tell you specifically if they're having lunch or dinner or they're just going to come to meet you but they will not tell you a week before no it's not a thing that's why i think it's your planning is like like too planned so everything should funny. be planned a timeline to everything because for me it was always like in india i felt like my time is not my time because i have to you know i know i'm <laughs> going to meet this person today or tomorrow but i don't know when i don't know yeah, what you're going to do no. so my time is not my time i cannot now just go out and go for something yeah, right. because maybe and it's like freaking out but maybe even i could do that and the other person would not be very swayed and would understand if i say oh no i'm sorry now i did this now maybe let's meet another time let's say gary Oh, this is so interesting how f- people you know flexibility people yeah. think about it differently no but your time is really not your time in india that but not like they will never buy it check say i will check calendars and get back to you no that's not a phrase we use or have planners or anything like that i mean we do have planners but only work related issues not like meeting friends catching up no 
that's very interesting. Yeah, but that's very true. Here also your personal life, your free time is very planned and scattered. Yeah, and exactly, like, that's yeah. what I wanted to say. Your personal life is also very planned, like everything is pre-planned. And uh, the second topic I wanted uh, to deepen with her was uh, the topic of trust in India, because on many levels I realized uh, that trust functions very differently in India than in Switzerland, but somehow I am not really able yet to put my finger on what exactly is different, and I'm still unable to do it, but uh, I wanted to discuss that issue with her. And uh, the instant on which this topic came up, The last time was uh, when she told me that she had ordered a chair from Ikea. And uh, when she tried to assemble the chair, she somehow she did something wrong. And like one of the screws got stuck and she couldn't bring it out anymore. And it was kind of in wrongly. And at the end, you couldn't like fix the chair anymore. And uh, then she wrote to Ikea and explained them that while assembling this happened. And they sent her a new chair for free about which she was very <laughs> astonished because she said like in India this would have never happened that people would just trust her and they would feel like it was her mistake like why yeah like why should they send her a new chair if it was her mistake and not their mistake and so on like they trust that they trust her so much to send this chair like was really overwhelming for her and till the last moment she didn't believe that actually she will really have to pay nothing for the new chair like she expected it to some hidden costs to come up till the last moment which really didn't and uh, yeah that already was like uh, the start of us broaching into the topic of trust in india versus switzerland Ikea didn't send me a bad product. It was my fault. So it was very interesting that Ikea just ended up trusting my four sentences that I had sent them. Mm-hmm. Not even spoken, written. Not even conversed over the phone or anything like that. They just understood that, okay, this is the problem and they sent me a new product. But And it's unbelievable that they trust their citizens then. Hmm. They're believing that, oh, it, has must, it must be happening to you and we'll send it to you. Yeah, which is not the case in India. You'll have to go to customer care services or you will have to find your own personal guy who repairs it for you. Yeah. And I remember I once had a conversation with a friend and he asked me, and I think we were not the same opinion, we didn't really know, he asked me, do you think like uh, people, like trusting random strangers on the street or something, do people in India trust them more or would people in Switzerland trust them more? And we are so way. it's interesting how everyone here says grazie, grazie to each other. Grazie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you don't even know that person. Hmm. I'm like, why are you saying hello to me? I don't know you. And I, I spoke to my other colleagues in Switzerland. They said it's not very a common thing in Zurich, but it's a common thing, let's say, in other smaller cantons like, of... Like in my village. It's yeah, normal. yeah, exactly. And uh, But it has happened to me in Zurich too that random stages have just said grazie and gone back and no one would do that in India to you not you can't in villages maybe in villages but your idea of a village is very different from our <laughs> idea of a village true your village also looks like a city only maybe <laughs> or it's very well connected but it's not uh, something that a city person living in a city would do hmm. that you just you're crossing and you say Katsi, and blah 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 no you wouldn't do that You're all in your own and 
you can't say hello to random strangers or just start talking to them she always learned that don't trust a stranger like maybe if there would be some some conversation going on in the metro okay and maybe another person a strange person who is also sitting there would jump into the conversation that would still be fine but still especially when you're alone and someone starts a conversation with you she said that she tends to or she learned that she has to tend to not trust that person and wonder what kind of an agenda or hidden intentions are in this conversation because it's somewhere not normal yeah there's so much fear of strangers not trusting them being stalked but there's also a certain gender component to it as a woman you would be a bit afraid of a man like asking you all these questions maybe you would get out in the metro a stop earlier and uh, then take the next metro just to get out of that situation and don't have to go through the conversation and uh, so interesting also somewhere so i always see like on the one hand in india when it comes to family right or to close relations there's so much interfering way more than i know but when it comes to this part there's no interfering tolerated for us it's the same not so much interfering in families and not really a lot of interfere you know like we're very discreet in both but because your culture is that you that you're extremely you want to be independent yeah. in every sphere and this is not a mindset way that we are brought brought up with for us it's uh, someone or the other will offer their help hmm. and that's how you always grow up that if let's say if i have to submit drop a check at the bank my father will say yes i will do it for you you will never end up doing it on your own so we are also brought with that mindset which is which can be really annoying that you might want to do it on your own but someone else is doing it for you all the time hmm. so i that's what i see here people are really really independent i mean if there is an old person her son her daughter will always like an old lady her son or daughter will go buy the groceries but here i see people who can barely walk they're frail wrinkled hardly able to walk still going to migros dinner or coop and buying their groceries I've never seen I've not seen a site like that in India that a woman coming with a walker to buy her groceries and I'm like it could be two things either she wants to be really independent and not trouble her children mm-hmm. or she or she just or maybe her children are not offering that I would think her children are not offering her help and now she just stuck with this thing that she has to come all by herself I wouldn't see it because I come from that mindset I wouldn't see it as her wanting to be independent mm. that at this age when she's barely able to walk she has to come to the grocery store to to buy her own groceries yeah so there it would be when you're old you're surrounded by family and All they will like they will not let you do that alone no? because they would insist that they, they will insist. do it for you yeah but I think it's also for us it's easier in the sense that you might not do it on your own for them but you can hire help because mm-hmm. we have a lot of cheap labor mm-hmm. which for you here you don't have you only things and uh, she said similar things about public transport like how it's really difficult in india to for older people to travel in public transport because it's so much more crowded than in switzerland while in switzerland a lot of older people travel in public transports and yeah how this is kind of difficult and uh, 
as a last topic, like I told her a lot of times in India, I had a certain problems or I didn't understand how to deal with certain things in the culture. And I was always looking for, uh, of course, I only had my own culture as reference, like how would I deal with this problem at home? So I kind of looked for Swiss solutions to Indian problems, which never worked out at all. And it took me some time to understand how people there solve certain problems, like for example, I needed a printer out, but I didn't have a printer. I needed to iron some clothes or wash some clothes and I didn't have an iron and I didn't have a washing machine. So I was like, oh, how to solve this? And like, I thought, uh, but I didn't know where to, can, can I get a print out? Where can I give my clothes to wash or iron or whatever? I'm used to, you do it yourself. Whatever, yeah. you have a printer at home, you have an iron at home, you have a washing machine at home. And suddenly when I didn't have that, I didn't know what to do. I bought an iron, <laughs> I washed my clothes myself, and uh, I was thinking about buying a printer, but then I found out how other people do it. But the, the thing is like that when you, sometimes I feel like if you try to adapt to a new culture, you come across certain problems and you only know your own cultural way to solve it. And yeah. most of the time that doesn't work. So the interesting thing for me would be like, if you had similar things when you face some problems, which the Indian way to do, the first thing which comes to your mind, which will be a very Indian solution, what you would do at home doesn't work. And like, what to do then? It's very hard to think like that because I haven't thought of Indian solutions in Switzerland. Because, I mean, even though like if this ironing issue, ironing your clothes, I have an iron at home, but I still wouldn't iron at home. I have the guy who irons it for me. And uh, it works that way. I mean, for me, that thing is that, for like you said, that for you, you were worried about, you didn't know where to get a printout. Hmm. And for me, it's bizarre that you'd say that. Because, mm-hmm. and you actually thought of buying a new printer which mostly people don't do now. They're expensive. And rather than doing that, you can. there are so many cyber cafes. There are so many places in Delhi where you can get a printout for cheap. And she told me that, yeah, for her it's very strange or difficult in Switzerland that she's so used to um, having human labor for everything, right? Someone, she has an iron at home, but she wouldn't iron her clothes because there's someone you can give the clothes to, to wash them, to iron them. There are shops everywhere to get printouts. Like you don't need to own all of these things. And there's so much manual labor around for people who can do things for you. And so for her, it was equally difficult when she had to deal with all of these things by herself in Switzerland, when the usual go-to solution would be to just yeah, you have a person responsible for that, but this that is kind of missing here. And uh, for me, the fact that it's difficult to do things by myself and it's expected that I go to people and they do things for me was equally weird and difficult for me there. And she mentioned the language problem and even I had the language problem when talking to the laundry guy or whatever in the very beginning when I didn't understand how it works. And it's... Uh, yeah, to me, like talking to her was so interesting to like really understanding how someone else is uh, adapting to the culture I know and facing the same problems or having problems at the same things, but kind of in a reversed way. I found it, uh, yeah, a very enriching talk and I'm very glad we had it.
then uh, I just missed my train and I thought, okay, I'm at the station, a good opportunity to podcast. And I thought it's a good moment to talk about my topic search, which at the moment uh, is extremely troublesome because um, I got a deadline. So till uh, Christmas, I need to have a certain set of topics on which I want to work or like which I want to check out in India and uh, that should be I've been told I shouldn't look for more new topic but more deep in the ones I already have and uh, really think more about re- how can I get access whom do I want to work with which topics are interesting and nice and which topics are actually researchable and good topics for a PhD and as usual I'm struggling with the fact that I'm just interested in everything and there's so many topics I would <laughs> like to do research on and I don't know which one to take and I'm, ah, this decision is just too much and what if I take the wrong decision? Will I like it for four years or five years? And uh, yeah, it's completely freaking me out again and I feel so alone with the decisions and I write so many documents about the things which I find interesting and it's it's a mess. But uh, in... When trying to come up with a topic uh, at one point, like in my desperation, I made a list of uh, different, well, different questions I had about India all the time. I was always wondering about India or things I never understood or problems I saw my friends having, which could maybe be interesting issues for research or relevant issues for research. And I thought uh, I could read out some parts of this list. Uh, for example, the first point on the list is uh, how to break out of a predefined life. And what I meant with this was uh, the fact that when I was trying to think what is occupying my Indian friends at the moment or where, what is things which is like troublesome for all of my Indian friends, somehow I started to, to come up with that thought about like, yeah, breaking out of a predefined life and suddenly I saw this phenomena everywhere in everyone's life like just in a little bit of a different way because as I've already mentioned before I think in most cultures there is like a path which is predefined which is kind of um, which a lot of people takes which is maybe the ideal and a lot of people appreciate but I think in India it's even a bit more strict or like not following the path is quite difficult and uh for example, the idea is you study something, you get a job, then you earn some money, then you start to look for marriage, uh, yeah, for your arranged marriage or not arranged marriage. But of course, however, whichever route you take, you're going to get married and then you buy a house and then you have kids. And it's pretty difficult to take an essential turn away from that very straight path. And uh, this happens in many different aspects of life, like be it career-wise, people who have been working all their life as bankers or as uh, I, I, in like in IT or whatever, and suddenly they would like to have a different career, which is maybe a bit more connected to more risk or which in which they would earn less or, yeah, which is in general not seen so well or looked at so, yeah, appreciated so much or I don't know, maybe they want to become YouTubers or yoga teachers or whatever. A lot of people struggle with this. Then I know a lot of uh, unmarried girls who have who would like to go to 
abroad or have job opportunities abroad, but uh, they are being discouraged because uh, the family is afraid that if they go now, they might not find someone to marry and now it's time to get married and not to think of your career. And uh, if you really need to go abroad, then maybe you first get married and then you can go. Like a lot of times whenever or people who don't want kids or people who don't want to marry or who want to marry someone from another religion or whatever, just someone who doesn't fit the path, diverting from this path which has already been laid out for you is a very difficult thing with, yeah, with, because it has consequences not only for you but your whole family, your whole environment. There is this whole tension between individu- like an individual person and the whole society and your environment which plays out there's so much happening there and uh, yeah somewhere the same phenomena in so many forms I see it over and over again and I'm wondering couldn't that be I don't know lead to some kind of topic because it also hints to social transformation of a whole society in some way yeah so I will look more into that and uh, another point is uh which I will not look further into, I think, but which I've always wondered about India, like why in Bollywood is everything about love? It's all about finding true love and then whatever difficulties are happening, you stay with your love and you fight for it and so on. While real life in India, a lot of times has love doesn't have a big role or can't have a big role because um, still many, many marriages are arranged. Still it's, Especially if your love is not from the same caste or class or background or region. It can be pretty difficult to be with that person. So why is this like the main topic in Bollywood? Is it because people, it's so hard to have it in your own life that people like to see it? Or, but then where is it coming from? If no one has it, then how do people have the inspiration to have it there? Why has it been there all the time? That's like something I've never really understood. And another topic is uh, somehow, as I've mentioned before, in in India, you're always with people all the time and uh, you're never alone. But still so many people tell me that they feel alone, especially when they have to uh, make important decisions. They feel very alone and they have no one to talk to, which I find really interesting. It's not so different from our society, but here loneliness seems to be more physical. Like people who are alone, they are really alone. They don't hang out with anyone most of the time and then the loneliness comes from a physical sense of loneliness but also probably having no one to talk to while in India there's this you're always with people but still loneliness then must mean something very different and what exactly do they mean and are they just lonely because they are with people but they can't talk to anyone they can trust anyone maybe like what does loneliness in that sense mean I've always been wondering that Uh, then I'm also, as I've mentioned before, like I'm always interested whenever different social classes, different castes like interact in India because these interactions still for me, as I pointed out with the many times I've observed people interacting with their maids or interacting with people in restaurants, with waiters, that somehow these interactions are still strange for me because, yeah, I struggle with the idea that people are not equal, that class and maybe also caste, whatever plays in there, that like people address each other so differently if they are not from the same class. And it's still, 
yeah, there's something happening in these interactions, which is interesting for me, which I also find difficult to process and don't completely understand. And there, something there I would find very interesting, or that's one layer I haven't understood yet. Then, uh, yeah, trust in society would be an interesting option. And uh, there are many other points on that list, but they are a little bit uh, more complicated and I'll maybe explain them another time. And also, yeah, so for now, I am trying to find a topic which is somewhere connected to that cluster of morality, different moral systems of trust, of truth, telling the truth, something there or something with classes interacting or something with the predefined life. Like I have a lot of like big clusters of topics I'm somewhere interested in, but I ah, don't seem to be able to come to a clear context where I don't want to look at them. And uh, ah, it's a mess and it's difficult right now. And yeah, I also have again a lot of new weird ideas of things I came across and I would like to look at, but I think I will talk about them once I'm sure I want to pursue them and uh, maybe in the next podcast. Uh, then I'm already, I've started all the preparations because I've booked my flight, I have my ticket, I have found a place to stay, so I'm very lucky because a friend of mine is going to Europe like for more than a month and exactly the time when I will come to India so we have a few days together but then she will go and I can uh, stay in her room like with her flatmates and pay her rent while she's not there and yeah stay in that room and it's perfect I'm very excited it's also in a neighborhood I already know because I've been at her, at her place before and it's close to the university so I'm super excited of living there with flatmates and everything so that will be cool for sure and uh, yeah somehow today I thought like it's interesting if I look at my phone like my Instagram or my WhatsApp by now it's really hard to say at least in this digital sphere digital sphere where exactly I am because on Instagram I post a, I post a picture of Switzerland and I write something I post a picture of India and I write something and it's hard to know where I actually am at the moment and the same with my WhatsApp because Every day I'm writing with just as much, texting with just as much people from India as people from Switzerland. And it's like, yeah, this in-between is like really interesting how it's like playing out, uh, how both places seem to be so present, no matter in which of the places I currently am. And uh, this week, like someone asked me, like, isn't it kind of stressful and kind of very difficult to somehow exist in this in-between between two cultures between two continents between two lives isn't it like very it yeah stressful it takes so much from your nerves it takes your energy and all of that and of course somewhere I thought like yes it does and it is difficult and it is hard sometimes and all of that but at the same and yeah it's a constant coming and going and whenever you reach somewhere you already think about leaving again or now that I'm home I'm already planning to go again and while I'm saying that I'm looking at the suitcase which is in the corner of my room already prepared and reminding me that I'll be leaving again which is not easy for everyone who is close to you if it's in India or if it's in Switzerland doesn't matter it's a this constant coming and going and 
it is difficult it's difficult in my head it's difficult emotionally or somehow always to like be in one context and then disconnect a little bit and adapt to the new context and then being ripped out there again and then so it's yeah it is and it takes a lot of energy but what I told her is that at the same time I think it's very enriching it's like to have the chance of having people you are really close to in yeah in two cultures in two places in two cities and two continents in two yeah interacting with them in several languages and uh, yeah having the chance to have two very different lives it's it's actually it's an amazing thing it's maybe not something you can do for all your life i'm not sure yet about that maybe it will become too stressful at a certain point but the fact that this is possible or this has been possible for me is like something i keep being grateful for in some way and i keep being i keep being feeling astonished that it actually worked played out that way because i never really planned it it just happened and uh, i really do find it enriching in so many ways hard sometimes and emotional but also just so enriching and i'm so grateful that it played out that way